Welcome to Do You Ever Wonder? The show that brings you answers to many of the questions that you may have, but with no one to ask. Do You Ever Wonder is hosted by Mike Holtman, CEO of Hallmark Abstract Service, who, like you, has always been deeply curious about a wide variety of topics. Each week, Mike will be speaking with guests who are leaders in their field and who have inspirational stories to tell. So now, sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike Holtman, and it is a pleasure to have someone with us. Not only is he a Long Island guy, which is a, a bonus to begin with, but he's a serial entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author. He's a keynote speaker, and uh, he's also a Brooklyn guy. You grew up in Brooklyn, correct? Meet, uh, please meet Dave Kirpin. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yes, yeah, Sunset Park, Brooklyn, uh, born and raised. Nice. You know what? I... Uh, I don't go to Brooklyn a lot. I was there yesterday, but I, I did do the Coney Island polar bear plunge, and that was, uh, you know, that, that's quite the part of Brooklyn. So awesome! I was married married in Coney Island. Were you really? Hopefully at Nathan's. Uh, right next door at uh, that uh, Keyspan uh, Park where the Brooklyn Cyclones play. Oh no, kidding! Well, I, I wanted to get to that, but I know so typically. We run 30, 40 minutes. I know we have a, a drop dead time. We only have about 20 minutes. So so the key thing that I'd really like to cover that I think people are really interested in, you are a serial entrepreneur, meaning that in, in the 2000s, you were a math teacher. And from being a math teacher, while you were being a math teacher, I believe, you started Likeable Local. Is that uh, the, the way things worked? We started our first company while I was a math teacher. It's called the K Buzz. It became Likeable Media, and Likeable Local was the second company uh, we st I I started, and um, we've gone on to start a number of companies since then. And don't worry about the short time because I, as a New Yorker, I can talk super fast. So I can get in 30, 40 minutes of content in twenty minutes, no problem. I can see that. Well, you know what? You grew up in Brooklyn. You're a Long Island guy. We talk fast. Uh, what did that what did the entrepreneurial path look like? You were were you always someone interested in being in a business owner and an entrepreneur? I was always um I always enjoyed sales and I always enjoyed creating something out of nothing, but I wasn't sure I was going to be an entrepreneur. You mentioned I taught. I I, I studied teaching uh, at school, but while I was in school, I had my first entrepreneurial-like endeavor. Uh, I was a ballpark vendor at Fenway Park in the Boston Garden. And uh, ballpark vendors are only paid based on how much they sell and tips. So it's it's um, commission-driven. So it's very entrepreneurial, even though you're working for a, uh, a food service company. And I developed, I ended up developing a shtick as the Crunch and Munch guy and selling quite a bit of Crunch and Munch and making quite a bit of money while I was in school. And that was really my first foray into entrepreneurship. And then um, several years later, our, our our wedding that I mentioned, we we my wife and I wanted to get married, but we didn't have enough money to uh, pay for the kind of large wedding we wanted. So we partnered with the Brooklyn Cyclones to create a uh, a uh, baseball wedding themed field of dreams, and we sold sponsorships to the to the game in exchange for providing our our wedding goods and services. 100 Flowers sponsored the flowers, Smirnoff sponsored the alcohol, David's Bridal sponsored the bridesmaids gowns and wedding dress, and so on and so forth. We raised $100,000 for an amazing wedding. Um, and uh, that was uh, after the wedding, we, we generated so much press and and um, uh, attention for our wedding sponsors that um, 
couple of those clients, namely 1-800-Flowers.com and Entimins, both of whom are, are based in uh, Long Island, said, hey, what are you guys going to do next? Uh, we couldn't get married again, so we started our first company, uh, the marketing agency I mentioned. So that was really my foray into entrepreneurship. That's that's great. And I know that in the ballparks, there, there's a hierarchy. You don't get to sell beer. Forget about what age you are, but you have to start with the with the other stuff. So how did you, what was your shtick? I'm just curious. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, it's a seniority-based system. So you got to work for years to get the beer and the uh, hot dogs. That's, those are the big selling products. So my first day on the job, I was literally the, the lowest man on the totem pole. And I got uh, signed uh, Crunch and Munch, uh, buttery toffee popcorn with peanuts. I sold six boxes, which is which is uh, not a lot of not a lot of Crunch and Munch, and I got paid the legal minimum of ten dollars. And so I came back the second day, determined to um, get people's attention. And so I developed a like a a, 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 a shtick, singing, dancing, juggling boxes. Um, I had no talent. The only talent I had was the courage to um, look like a fool um, in the in the in the greater uh service of getting people's attention and hopefully making people laugh a bit and 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 it worked very very well you did that in boston which has its own uh this this uh risk involved with making an idiot out of yourself in front of boston fans no offense to boston fans but well well yeah and i and i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't loved by everyone um a, a few notable haters were bill simmons uh, and uh, Rick Pitino, uh, Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe. Uh, there, were, there were a bunch of folks that did, did not like what I was doing, but we had I had lots and lots of fans as well. I ended up doing quite a bit of media. I was on the front page of the Boston Herald. I was on ESPN Sports Center. I uh, I really I really maxed out what you could do as a ballpark vendor, and I went from making ten dollars the legal minimum that first night to making over a thousand dollars a night for a few hours work as a college student at at, at my peak. So I definitely. Uh, turned it into a, a bit of a thing. That's that's amazing. You know, I I worked uh, when I was uh, younger than college. I worked at the Aqueduct Racetrack Flea Market, and we were at the Everything's a Dollar booth. And you know, you had a we had a a kitchen glove. So you know, that was a time of Michael Jackson. So it became Michael Jackson's glove. You know, you had a you had to create. You had to be very creative. But so the first company you started was internet based. And what was your expertise in in doing that? I had none. Um, it was at the start. It was we we called ourselves word of mouth marketing. So we had just had this this uh, ballpark wedding and had generated um, a lot of uh, press. It's it's to date the number one uh, PR promotion that one hundred flowers dot com has ever done. It was something like sixty million dollars worth of earned media for a six thousand dollar flower bouquet. Um, uh, the beginning of the company was word of mouth marketing, guerrilla marketing offline. We actually did several baseball stadium sponsorship events. We did mall events. I had a part of uh, one of our early clients was the Green Acres Mall in Long Island, the at the shops at Atlas Park in Queens. And we did um, grand openings for Staples and Stop and Shop and a bunch of retailers. And what happened was the uh, our, the end of our first year in business um, Facebook opened up beyond college students, and one of my interns said, uh, uh, "Dave, you should really get on Facebook. I think um, now that now that it's now that it's more than just college students, I, I feel like you should um, you should be on there. It's a it's going to be a good marketing tool." 
And I said, sure, set up a profile for me. She actually, Kathy, uh, set up my first profile on Facebook. And I, I got into playing around. And I realized very, very quickly that, in fact, it would be a much better um, tool for marketing than giant baseball stadium events and and the sponsorships and, and, and offline events that we had been doing. And so we pivoted uh, towards our, our first, uh, the end of our first year in business from uh, offline to online marketing. And we learned as we went. Um, and fortunately, we were one of the first movers in the space. And I ended up writing one of the first books in the space. And uh, we built our expertise along the way, fortunately for us. What happened with Kathy? Did she become a co-owner of the company? She did not. She went into nonprofit herself. She was okay about other things, uh, but she's uh, she's she's wonderful, and uh, uh, I, I I am all for um, for equity partners. Um, my, my latest venture I, I started with a, with Rob, who was a college student at the time, and uh, when we sold our we sold that company, Likeable. When we sold it, uh, we were we had created an equity plan for our employees and advisors, and we were I was delighted to to write checks to many of our uh, uh, young employees that uh, had helped us build the company. That's fantastic. So if you had to give any advice, so these days everyone comes out of college, they want to be billionaires, obviously, but they want to do something unique. They want to have a side hustle. They want to create a company as an entrepreneur these days. You know, the the I think the playing field has changed a little bit since when you started. So what advice would you give to somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur is tired of working for somebody doesn't want you know to, to work to feather somebody else's nest wants to create uh, you know what what's the advice besides hard work and whatever else it was that you did yeah start now don't wait uh, don't wait a lot of people are afraid but you know we started i tell the story of the wedding but um, I was teaching at the time, and um, my uh, we 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 built a business plan. We started working with 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 various clients on different projects, and um, we my wife and I decided we would need at least um, I think it was ten thousand dollars of re monthly recurring revenue per per month, and at least three clients uh, to make the full jump and leave teaching. We had we had a young child at the time. And uh, we, entrepreneurship is about risk, but it's about managing risk. It's about managing risk. And so, um, you know, it's easy for me to say jump in, but I, I would say jump in while you're doing whatever you're doing and manage that risk carefully. We, and we, we, I, I worked that summer of 2007 and got those three clients and got that 10K of revenue. And I, and I love teaching and never looked back because we had the opportunity because we had already built in the uh the safety and security of knowing we would have ten thousand dollars a month of, of revenue so i think it's about it's about jumping in and not waiting but it's about being doing it in a cautious way that makes sure that you know you're you're, you're managing your risk carefully so the three clients that you got the ten thousand dollars of recurring revenue that you generated what metrics did you show those clients what did you sell those clients that got them to sign on and and take a risk with you well, we had 100 flowers and and um, and entomins, who I mentioned, um, and then um, we had the the we actually had a pretty unique partnership with. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of barter, so so 
we had done barter with the wedding. We ended up partnering with the, the, the shops at Atlas Park, which is a mall in Queens. And we had a partnership with them that provided our office um, as part of the as part of the deal, our office in, in, in barter. So, um, so that was wonderful. And that took away the biggest expense that we would have in, 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 in the business. Of course, now, so many years later, you really don't need an office for that much to start a business. So most people start a business, you know, in the, in their, in their home, but, um, those were the clients. And then the metrics were different depending on the client. But as I mentioned, we in the beginning, we were selling offline marketing. So more like creative marketing services, Thank word you. of mouth marketing, uh, marketing, event, event, event marketing. So now you, you work with your wife. And you always envision doing that. I work with my wife. I own a title insurance company. My wife and I started it together. There's great things about it. There are, there can be some, some back and forth in terms of the ease with which it goes. How do you do it? Yeah, well, I don't, I no longer currently work with my wife. Um, but we, but we had, um, we had a wonderful uh, journey together, and uh, you know, I'm, I, we may we may work together again on businesses in the future. We certainly consult each other on on each other's businesses. I I, I meet with her uh, every two weeks um, on business. We met we met just uh, this morning, um, and um, but along the way, to answer your question, we had a lot of challenges. Uh, but we learned the importance of communication uh, over communication and boundaries and roles um those those are the two big ones those are the two big ones like like having ha making sure that we, we don't we we don't bring our we didn't bring our 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 work life home and our home life to work and and being really strict about that as well as being strict around roles and responsibilities who does what so that so that there were uh, fair expectations on on both sides I think that's important. Sometimes, so I'm business development, my wife is inside, but sometimes I feel she should be doing more business development. But to your point, you know, she's good at what she does, and I'm hopefully good at what I do. But, you know, you really do have to stay in your lane. That, that's 100% true. So you had done a, a, a something early on. It was called um, Free Therapy for Mets Fans. And you generated 120 million hits. And my question is someone who tries to use social media as a marketing tool. What was it that clicked? What was it that made that go viral? Other yeah, well, it's very hard to predict. It's very hard to predict virality. Um, very, very hard, if not impossible to predict virality. But but um, I'm a diehard Mets fan. And um, I was working at the time as a, a interim CEO for a mental health uh, startup and um the Mets had just lost a really miserable game I think it was 25 to 4 a game to the Washington Nationals and um, I just had an idea that night I thought you know what um we we should offer free therapy for Mets fans um and uh it will get you know I think I think it'll get some 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 attention and so we posted it, you know, we, we did a press release and yeah, the next thing I knew, I, I mean, that's probably people that like me 
would call me a media magnet and people that don't like me would call me a media whore. I've been very, very blessed with massive, massive media attention for many, many different things. Right. I mentioned the wedding and the crunch Munch guy and, and, and certainly, um, but this was the, 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 the number one promotion I've ever done. It was, it was crazy how viral that thing went. Um, and again, hard to predict except to say, um, think out of the box and, and be unafraid of, 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 of the haters. No, be, I, be, you know, have the have the courage. The, the you know the, the the two things I think that are in common with a lot of my my media success is is having courage to 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 take chances and um and really thinking out of the box, destroying the box, right? I I was going to use that phrase uh, in terms of thinking outside the box because you know when you started it was relatively early on. And it was easy to think outside the box in a, an industry like mine that's a little more uh, old and staid. Thinking outside the box is a little bit different. Uh, you know, I, I try to do that and I'm not afraid to do that. But uh, again, you had the media attention. You had the followers. You have 600,000 followers on LinkedIn. I don't know how many you had at the time, but those kinds of metrics definitely make it a little bit easier to get virality going, I would think. Would would you agree with that? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think I think there are countless examples of folks on TikTok, especially in the last year or two, that um, went viral having less than a hundred followers. So I think um, I think uh, yes, the larger an audience you have to start, the 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 the, the better. Um, but um, it shouldn't lack of audience shouldn't keep people from thinking big and thinking outside of the box. There's there's def definitely on uh, TikTok and Instagram, which are the platforms of choice right here in 2024, the um, the ideas matter more than the number of followers. So, and hashtags, I assume, or just the idea? Just the idea. Just the idea. Uh, so we're running out of time. I did want to touch base with you on a, on a few other things, but one is VC. I know you invest in in uh, smaller startup companies and you know yeah we took some of the proceeds from our our exit and uh, we created a v uh, Kirpin ventures which invests in uh women-owned and people of color owned businesses nice i happen to be a woman-owned business if you're interested but um how do you locate how do you vet those businesses uh, we get deal flow from different uh, investors and folks reach out to us directly and 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 pitch me. Um, oh, that's great. And you know, just as an aside before we say goodbye, and hopefully I'll at some point in the future have you on again. But uh, I also did have the CEO of One Eight Hundred Flowers as a guest on on this as well. He's a he's a good guy. Jim's a great guy. He's been a wonderful mentor to me over the years. Uh, absolutely. So with that. We're going to say goodbye. We're going to uh, listen to a little bit of music. And then again, thank you for your time. Thank you for, for being here. Thank you for listening to Do You Ever Wonder? And we hope that you enjoyed the show. Next week, we will have another terrific guest telling their story. And if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear more about, please don't hesitate to let us know. Our curiosity, like yours, knows no bounds. Please subscribe and like and share this episode on your social media. See you next week. Thank you.